And when I looked closer, there was a, a Sasquatch face on the other side, and uh, it was looking right back in at us. Staring back at me is a silhouette of a very, very giant monkey. An intriguing discovery is being investigated in a community east of Seattle. Someone came across a lengthy trail of extremely large footprints. They are up there. Welcome, everyone. You've tuned into the Nicola Valley Bigfoot Podcast, a place where your encounters are told. To share your encounter and to be on the show, email me at nicolavalleybigfoot at gmail.com. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. And uh, so the area that I had this experience was... Uh, about two miles from a road, about two miles from the gravel road. Um, and um, it was me and my father and a friend of mine by the name of Frank. I'm not going to say his last name, but Frank uh, was uh, Native American. And uh, I, I loved him like, a, like a, uh, another daddy. He was... Uh, he taught me more about the woods than any other person on this earth. And uh, I really appreciate the gift he gave me by teaching me what he knew. And uh, he was a straight up guy. Uh, he was friendly, but he was, you know, straight up. Anyway, we were out there and he, uh, he killed a deer. He killed a, a little full point. And so uh, daddy and I were about, I guess, a half a mile from him. And when we heard him shoot, so we headed in that direction. And when we got to him, we decided that we were going to float that deer out instead of pull him along a, a ridge that was out the water. We we're going to float him in the water. It makes it much, you know, much easier to to yeah. get him out. Yeah. And so, uh, Daddy said, "Well, I'm going to take the guns, and he's going to go out." on the high land and Frank and I were going to cut through the woods, through the swamp, uh, pulling that deer out. And, uh, in order to do that, we cut a, a small tree, uh, I guess about two inches, two and a half inches in diameter. Uh, we cut it about six foot long, tied a rope in the middle of it, a rope around the, the jaw of the deer. And uh, one end of the rope uh, tied to the middle of the stick. And we started walking out with that stick across our waist, pulling the, the deer, you know, behind us. And uh, as we were heading out, I became aware of uh, a, a sound. Uh, you know, back when you back in there, in that part of the world, and there, there's nothing. There's no sound back there. Very little. You got tree frogs. Every now and then, back in the old days, you could hear an alligator, uh, old gator grunt. You know, they they they'll do that. You can hear them out there. But other than that, not much. And so the fact that I hear a splashing uh, caught my attention. It was off to my left. And 
I stopped. It became loud. And it sounded like somebody walking, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, like someone wading through and, the water. Right, but, uh, you know, with the, making a splash with their feet as they walk, they, uh, you know, when you walk in water that's just below your knee, uh, a little lower, it's hard to walk and not make a noise. And uh, whatever it was out there, it wasn't trying to hide itself. It was just walking. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it's, it was walking on two feet. Uh, the reason I say I didn't realize it at the time is because I just wasn't thinking that way, you know? That was something you never considered. But it was getting closer to us, and I stopped. I turned around, and I looked off to the left, looked through the trees as far as I could see, but the trees are real thick out there, you know? And I told Frank, I said, you hear that? And Frank told me something uh, to the effect that, yeah, don't worry about him. And he started walking. So let's go. And so we started walking again. And I was thinking, you know, Frank had just said, don't worry about him. It's like, I figured he just used that in a generic term, you know? Yeah. And so we kept going. And uh, the sound kept following us on the left side. So finally I stopped again. It was getting louder. And I, I looked at Frank, I said, what is that? I hear that out there. And he said, come on, boy, he's not going to mess with us. And I was like, I looked at him and he just, he turned around, started walking. So I had to pick up my end of the stick, you know, and walk. But this time I turned around and I was actually walking backwards with the stick across my back, looking behind me to see if I could see it moving. And sure enough, I saw something out there between the trees. Now those trees are thick and all I could see was black go between the trees and it was up pretty high. So that did away with, it's a bear, which we had very, very few of at that time back then. And uh, I, I couldn't understand what I was seeing. And so uh, I stopped again and Frank said, oh, come on boy. You know, he said, uh, he's not gonna mess with us. And so I took off again, and when we got out, we finally got to the to the road. My daddy was waiting there, and uh, we drug the deer up onto the land and uh, picked it up and put it in the back of the truck. And I turned to tell my daddy something, and Frank was standing behind him a little bit. And when I turned, I said, you know what I heard? And when I said that, Frank looked at me, just shook his head, no. You know, just a very little bit to tell me, no, don't don't say that. And so I didn't and just let it drop. And that was it. He and I never spoke of it again. And uh, I I just let it go for years, you know, until just thinking about it. What in the world was that? And the thought that it might have been a, a Sasquatch or, or whatever. Kind of entered my mind later on in life. It's like, well, what else could it be? You know? Yeah. Because the the black I saw going between the trees, there's the black, like a, like a big tall black something going between the trees it was hairy, and it was tall. Uh, I'd say it was probably walking in water two foot deep and they had a good five, six foot of that out in the water. And so uh, I just 
let it rest, but uh, eventually came to the conclusion that's probably what that was, you know? I didn't get a good look at it, though, but uh, um, I'm almost sure that's what it was. Yeah, it definitely sounds like that's what that's what you saw. Now, you know, Frank kept referring to him as, you know, he, he won't bother us and, and leave him alone. Was there ever any mention other than that one encounter that, you know, that these creatures were in that area? Was there any kind of, you know, local tales of, of Sasquatch in, in the swamps? You know... There, there are tales, but there's a monster, if you want to call that, a, a scary being that's referred to as the Rougarou. And um, the Cajuns and the Native Americans that lived there who dealt with the Cajuns referred to a Rougarou. Well, a Rougarou has come to mean today, it means like a werewolf. But back in the old days, it meant a big, hairy, scary thing, you know, mm. a, a monster that lived in the woods. And south of where we were, um, along the coast and where the swamp gets out really wide, uh, even till today, there's stories out there about the Rougarou. And I really believe that's where that's coming from, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's and, uh, something to people. People didn't talk about it because if somebody said they saw the Rougarou, people would look at him and go, oh, Lord, you know, he's in the bottle again <laughs> or something. Always put him down. And so people just didn't talk about it or else they saw something that scared them so bad they didn't want to talk about it. What did you, what did you think it about the Rougarou? I'm sorry, how do, how do you pronounce it? A Rougarou. A Rougarou. Uh, what did you think about that before before your encounter? Did you put pay any attention to it, or was it just something in the back of your mind and just a, a story no, that people uh, told? Just something I had heard. Uh, I've never discounted anything because I was uh, I was raised by you know my family were hunters. Uh, we lived uh, in North Saint Landry Parish, and my my daddy and his family grew up in the woods, and they didn't hunt for fun. It was so poor. They hunted for the real thing. They they hunted for food, and uh, uh, those men were truthful. You know, they they didn't bullshit around. They didn't lie, and uh, they were a serious breed. And so when I heard, that's the way I was raised. And so when I heard somebody say something, I always took it as truth, because I was so used to being around people who spoke the truth that I didn't question it. I didn't seek an answer to it, but I figured there's something to it, you know? Yeah. But like it wasn't it, none of my business, so I didn't worry about it. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a just a, an accepted way of life, sort of, so to speak. Like everybody just kind of knows they're there and you don't really have to question it because there's not really any, any need to, because it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. Imagine, imagine that's kind of how it is up there with y'all and, and these uh, beings, huh? Yeah, there, there's an area not that far away from where I live, uh, maybe about a two-hour drive, um, and it, it's so widely accepted that that you know Sasquatch are, are living there and in the forest that people just pay no attention to it anymore. It, it's got to the point they're they're you know just leave them be. They're they're not bothering anybody. Just why do you why do people? They don't understand why people are fascinated with them because they see them all the time. It's not really that big of a deal. 
So, you know, I yeah. think it's kind of probably along the same lines as, as you know, the locals down there. Right. Well, you know, I've thought about it a lot, uh, especially now that I've had a couple more incidences. Um, I've thought about it a lot. You know, I've had three encounters. And uh, the, and I've also spoke to a, a young man who I know his family. These are some of the, the driest people you're ever going to meet. They don't joke. You know, they, <laughs> you tell them a joke, they just stare at you like nothing happened. I mean, these people, they wouldn't lie to you. paid them. And uh, he told me a story about one over in the uh, uh, Bayou Mallet watershed. Bayou Mallet is uh, a small bar that runs down uh, west central uh, Louisiana. It goes down and drops off into uh, another to a river and goes on out to the Gulf. But the watershed on each side of it, some places gets as much as five, six miles wide, you know. And uh, I was living, the guy that told me the story lived behind my house by about a half a mile behind the house. And his incident was about a half a mile behind his house where the, the body mallet watershed, he had gone back there duck hunting. And he uh, uh, went out there early one day and there was a big oak tree, or a tree, I don't know if it's oak tree. There was a big tree had fallen on the set, on the side of a rice field. And that's where he was hunting. Those ducks were coming in that rice field. So he got up in the branches of that tree and found a place to sit and made himself a, a blind out of that top, that treetop. And he said he was sitting there and after a while, he could hear somebody coming behind him. And he figured his, it was either his cousin or his daddy because they hunted back there also. And he could hear it coming. And when he went to turn his head to look, that thing was right there. It was right on him. I'm talking 10 steps. Oh, wow. And he said he froze, you know, he's like, oh, shit, and didn't, didn't, didn't want to breathe. And the thing walked up into the water, squatted down and started drinking, took a drink of water out of the, the rice field, stood up and turned his back and walked around the periphery of that rice field and into the wood line of the bayou mallet. And he said, as soon as he disappeared, he was out of there. He was gone. He went home. He told his daddy and daddy, like I said, these people, uh, you know, they dry. He said, well, let's go see boy. And so they went back there and, and his daddy told me he saw the tracks. He saw the whole thing played out just like the boy had said, you see the tracks where he walked in the rice field, where he came out, where he walked around the edge. And, uh, so it turns he he seems to think it was a true story and i do too yeah but you see that's just uh by air about 30 miles west of me wow that, yeah it's right it's and at the time it was like right in your quote unquote you like your neighborhood so to speak it, it wasn't that far away that's right yeah. well that's i had moved over there i was working for a university at the time and uh I had moved to uh, that little town out there, Eunice, Louisiana. And uh, I was living just east of Eunice, which put me next to that Bob Mallet, you know? Yeah. Now, uh, 
you mentioned that you've had you know three encounters with with, with these creatures in total, and I know we've heard one. But would you mind sharing the other two with us and, and letting all the listeners hear, yeah. hear your stories? That'd be the, great. The, the, the second one was, uh, it was not a big big deal, not a big dramatic thing, but uh, I was deer hunting and pretty much in the same area as I had the encounter. When, back in the early 70s, you see, I had, I had got out the Navy in 70, and uh, this happened as close as I can figure, about 72, 73, something like that, the first one. And then here we go all these years and didn't have anything. And within the last seven years or so, I can date that because it happened after my I, I got remarried. I got a wife that. I married seven years ago, so and it was after I married her, so I know it's within that period of time. Uh, I was deer hunting, and I'm I'm hardcore. Uh, I was in a lean stand out in the swamp, and it got dark, and I waited until dark 30, like they say, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I climbed down, and when I got to the bottom, I got down in water. Uh, and started walking over to my four-wheeler. The water wasn't deep, you know, five, six inches, something like that. And I walked over to my four-wheeler, and I'm loading my gun up on it, and I heard three distinct knocks. And I mean, they were loud. And you've heard people say it sounded like a baseball bat being hit on a, a hard piece of wood. That's what it sounds like. And three to sing a pow, pow, pow. And I stood up and I said to myself, I said, oh, shit, I wish I hadn't heard that. You know, (laughs) because now now I'm going like, oh, God, I was still at that point discussing with myself whether or not this was real. You know, if if what had happened to me was just my imagination or something. But then I heard that. And I mean, I was back there by myself. There wasn't anybody out there. And, um, so I got on my bike and I just came back to the camp. And when I got there, I had to, a little touch of Jack Daniels to settle my, my nerves. Did you know what was, uh, what was kind of making the the tree knocks? Like, did did it occur to you what that was? No, I, I figured that was tree knocks. I figured that was Sasquatch stuff because it's, you know, I've been hunting back there. Uh, at that point, I hunted through the, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, and this is through the, after 2010. And through all them years, I had never heard a knock. Nothing like that. Nothing. But I'd had that early experience, and then I've been reading, and, you know, I'm aware of what's going on. And when I heard them things, I said, I'll be damned. That, you know, that that so sounded like a tree knock. That's why I said, you know, uh, I said to myself, damn, I wish I hadn't heard that. You know why? Because you're not sure if what you're hearing is real or not. And you're not, you don't want to go, hey, I heard and make a fool out of yourself. I want to be a person that's pretty sure of what I'm talking about when I talk about it. Mm-hmm. So. When I heard that, what that did, that woke up in me a realization that 
I really am experiencing something here, you know? Uh, and it's like, damn, I wish I hadn't heard that. I wish I'd have just stayed in the dark and not, not known what I know <laughs> because you, you know, I can't talk to anybody about it. I tried one time telling some young guys about it. They just laughed me off, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but then I heard those three and I said, well, you know, look at here. And so that's all that happened there. I went back and I don't know if I told my wife or not, I might have because it is, it shook me up pretty good. Well, you know, it, uh, it was real. This is not something that wasn't a limb rubbing on a tree or, or nothing like that. It was something, somebody hitting on something. Bam. Pow. Real sharp, real sharp sound. Pow. Anyway, that was the second one. Uh, you know, like I told you, it wasn't too outstanding, nothing exciting that you could make a movie about, but it was enough to stir me up. Yeah. I, I've heard so, that. I've heard tree knocks too, and I, I've been in the vicinity where there weren't that, where they weren't that far away. And your brain immediately starts going into, well, that's just a tree falling, or, or you know, that's a beaver, or, or that's, you know, trying to make sense of it. But, you know, a lot of the times, it doesn't make sense until you add, you know, Sasquatch into the equation and then, okay, then things start making sense. So it, 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 I, I, I totally understand what you're, where you're coming from on that. Right. And you know, out in nature like that, there's very few things that happen naturally that have a set rhythm, you know, and those three knocks, it was a rhythm. It was, they were equally spaced, exactly the same sound. Pow, pow, pow. And if a limb is breaking or a tree is falling, I've heard all of that. It, there, there's no rhythm to it like that. You hear the crashing and breaking and it's, uh, you know, the sounds being made, but it, it's a cacophony, if you want to call it that, of sound. It's not those distinct rhythm like that. So it's something not natural is what it appeared to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah, let me ask you a question before we move on from that one, though. I, I want to get your opinion on something. It, it, you mentioned that, you know, it happened as you were cl climbing down from your from your hunting spot. And as soon as you got on the ground, that's when the knocks happened. I'm going to throw a theory out there, and I want you to tell me what you think. Do you think they were watching you and they were letting others know that, you know, okay, he's he's on the ground now and he's moving, so be careful? You know what I mean? You, you know, he was kind of the, the tree knocks were kind of representing like an SOS type of type of uh, warning signal to, to the others that were in the area. I don't know. I know this. It wasn't far. The, the sound was not far away from me. I was along the banks of a, a little by by a portage. And it was across the bar, probably 30, 40 yards where I heard it, it was that close to me. Uh, now it was dark, like I said, and it was cloudy. So it was a dark black night, you know, uh, what they can do in the dark, I have no idea, but I wouldn't discount that. Um, yeah. and as far as it warning others or, you know, just communicating with others, um, there's so little sign out there. You would think that if there was a number of them, you know, we'd be seeing more tracks or stuff, you know, more people would be seeing them or something or else they're very secret because, uh, God knows that that's, that's why there's such a controversy about them. 
is because people see them and said, I saw them and then they have trouble proving it. Uh, you know? Yeah. Uh, I've spoken to a few hunters that, that have gone into the woods, especially in British Columbia here. Um, and kind of the similar situation happens to them as well. You know, as soon as they either enter the hunting spot or leave the hunting spot is when, you know, tree knocks happened. And I, I really believe that, you know, it's kind of a, a warning signal to, you know, the other Sasquatch that are in the area that, okay, this, this person is leaving or coming like one of the two. So it, it, that's not the first time I've heard that. So it kind of makes sense to me that that's probably what was going on. They were watching you. They, they, they were kind of in the vicinity knowing that you're there. So, uh, you know, not to, right. not to try to scare you or anything like that, but you know, it just, that's just what it seems like to me. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I, I was raised in the woods. I, I'm not scared in the woods, even, uh, with this, that kind of stuff. Uh, it, I wasn't scared to go back, but I'll, I'll stay in the dark and I've, at times, for various reasons, uh, I've walked out the woods with no light, with no headlight. If I can see, you know, if, if there's a little moon out or something, I'll get out of there uh, without a light. Because you turn a light on, then your eyes are accustomed to that light and everything around you is black except that light. But you turn the light off, let your eyes get accustomed to the woods, you can see out there, you can see. And, uh, I walked out one night and just, uh, one time I really, really, really got the sense that something was watching me. Something was there, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, like I say, I'm not a scaredy cat. So I actually stopped and I stood real still. And I, I was just looking in one direction, not moving. And I was, to whatever it was, <laughs> you know, I was talking to myself, but I was saying like, all right, if you're gonna come here, come on, you know, do what you're gonna do. And of course nothing happened. So I continued on my walk and it was stone dead quiet out there. You know, uh, I mentioned it briefly a while ago, we got tree frogs and uh, zillions of them. And in the swamp at night, when the sun goes down, those frogs open up and make a hell of a noise out there. And I've already done it where uh, late in the afternoon, those frogs will go to, to Holland and then you can hear them shutting up when something's coming through the water. Like a deer, you know, a deer would be walking through there. They shut up and you can track that deer by the sound. I tell the young people all the time, if you listen to the woods, they'll tell you what's going on. And uh, I've done that numerous times. And the fact that when I was walking out, it was stone quiet. Also makes me think that maybe something was there, you know, I don't know. This is all a mystery to be uh, like it is to a lot of people, you know? Yeah. Um, You've had, like, you've had another encounter as well, correct? Oh, absolutely. Now, that was a scary, this, this last one was the scariest one. That happened last January. Uh, I got a friend of mine who, by coincidence, his name is also Frank, uh, that I go hunting with over in Mississippi. And uh, I've gone numerous times. I've never killed a deer over there. 
but I like to go. They got deer, you know. I just don't have any luck when I go over there, it looks like. And uh, I went over there in January when we had actually caught snow. It was snowing in Mississippi. And uh, so we had access to a beautiful camp, a lodge built on the side of a little stream. I mean, it's a gorgeous place. Nice, nice piece of woodland. And uh, it's along what's called White Oak Creek, White Oak Creek. And uh, and that's a pretty substantial creek. When uh, the snow started melting, it, it flooded pretty easy. But I had a, he put me on a stand and uh, it was beautiful. Uh, it was a house, it was a box stand, and it was on the edge of White Oak Creek where it made a, a big horseshoe. And I could see down two legs of that uh, White Oak Creek, and that's behind me. And up in front of me, there was a little, uh, like a little prairie, a little pasture in the woods, surrounded by woodland. And, um, pretty pretty place and i sat there the first day and i didn't see a single deer so i got out when it started getting dark i got out and i was waiting frank's son was coming in the the ranger to pick me up and so i'm standing by the bottom of that stand and buddy i want to tell you something i've heard people talk about them but that growl or howl or whatever you want, it's a sound. It's a sound. You know, I heard people say, oh, that's a man. Uh-uh. A man can't make that sound. You just can't do it because I tried to, to you know, to uh, mimic it, you know, later on. But right then, well, I heard that thing go off. And uh, it's hard to judge because it was so loud. I was thinking it's probably a half mile from it, about 800 yards from it. And it was, it, it's loud and long and, you know, you know, not, not like you hear them on TV, that, ooh, like that, not that. It was a, like a, like a growl, but not just like a growl. Like it went on and on and on and on. I guess altogether, that thing was five, ten seconds long, something like that. And it got my attention. <laughs> yeah. And by that point, by last January, you know, I had been uh, watching this old boy, uh, Steve, we talked about, and I had seen a bunch of stuff, and I had interest in it. And I had heard some tapes, um, you know, some recordings of uh, sounds, and that was similar. And so I said, I can't believe this. And then it did it again. And then it did it again. And three times. And so by that time, it was dark. And that boy wasn't there yet. And I was about a mile from the edge of the woods to where that stand is. I just started walking. Now, I got a very bad heart. And to me, it took like two minutes to walk out that mile. 
<laughs> I didn't run, but I was walking with purpose. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I I got out of there. And I didn't say a word to nobody. I didn't tell Frank. I didn't tell his son. And uh, we just went back to the camp that night. We did the camp thing. Got up the next morning. Made a hunt in a different area. I was in a different area. And Frank's son went back to the stand I was in. Well, he came out and he said, you're going to kill your deer this afternoon. I said, how's that? He said, I saw two shooter bucks. He said, uh, I didn't shoot them because I've already killed a deer, a, a nice buck. I'm waiting for something bigger. We got a couple of real big deer around here and I'm waiting to see if I can tag one of those. And I said, well, cool. So I went back to that same stand again that afternoon. Not a deer. Did not see a single deer. And I'm there like, why? You know, what's going on? You know, in the morning they see an all these deer here. There's all kind of tracks. There's deer here, but I'm not seeing them. And uh, so I had another very uneventful afternoon. Climbed down, and I was thinking about that noise. And I said, you know, wouldn't it be something if I heard that again right at dark? So it, I waited and waited, and nothing happened. And then I guess I'd been out about 10 minutes, and it did it again. But this time, it's a little bit different place. It was, uh, I'd say, a quarter mile further south. Now, I'm looking east, okay? Imagine you're looking pure dead east. The first one was north-northeast of me. The second one was south-southeast of me. And I heard it, and it hollered twice. And about that time, the, the boy and the ranger was coming and making noise, and I didn't hear it after that. But when that boy got there, I had to ask him. I said, Holden, you were back here this morning, right? Mm-hmm. I said, you've hunted here before in the afternoon? Yep. Have you ever heard anything? No. Well, I thought to myself, of course not. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, I got a story. I'm going to tell these people, you know, that I'm hearing this growling out here. and They've been hunting here and they ain't never heard it. And here comes this guy from Louisiana, you know been here two days and unheard it twice that sounds like a story to me but you know oh well <laughs> so we went back and uh to the camp and he told his dad that i had heard something and he kind of laughed and his dad said don't laugh and he named some local man he says so-and-so said he saw one uh in this area and so that was a uh, that pretty well confirmed my belief in Bigfoot. You know what I mean? And yeah. Sasquatch. Yeah. It's very possible. Uh, it's very possible that they've, they've actually heard it as well. They just kind of probably pay no mind to it. They, they you know, people who don't want to know what it is, they just, they're going to not believe anything anyway. Just so. pause in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking the same thing. Cause you know, when we hunting out there, especially I used to drive dogs. We had 35 dogs at one time, hunting dogs. We turned them loose in packs of five to seven at a time to, to run the deer in the swamp. That was the way deer were hunted back then. Uh, you'd put them dogs on a deer, and boy, that was a pretty thing to listen to, running through those woods, you know, the, the howl of them dogs and the echoing across that swamp. That was, if you like dogs, that's, 
that's done. That's a good hunt. Now we just still hunt and got out of it. But when we out there in the woods, if I hear a sound, generally I just hear it and keep going. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't even acknowledge it. It's just what well, I sound, you know, sound in the woods. And I believe a lot of people do that. They, they don't realize, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. But let, you, let me ask your opinion on something uh, here, Ron. Sure. Like, it seems like you've had a few encounters, which, which are very cool, but do you think it's possible that somehow along the way you, you've kind of trained your brain to be sensitive to hearing and, and being more open-minded to, you know, Bigfoot being around you, that now you can't help but not hear and, and see, you know, these creatures whenever you're in, in different areas and whatnot? I mean, it's entirely possible. I mean, since your first encounter was when you're in 72 i believe you said and you know ever since then your now your brain is has kind of you know opened that little door that you know okay there there's it's a possibility that you know these these creatures are out there and now you've become more aware of your surroundings and the the noises and i uh, you know that's one thing uh going back to my my first buddy there frank um and I, I've told my wife this, how sensitive I am in the woods. Remember, I said, if you listen to the woods, and I, I, now don't, I don't see things that are not there, but I see things other people don't see. You know, like I can spot a deer hiding out there, and I can point it out to five people, and they'll sit and start, you know, stare at the same place. They don't see it. Uh, now, as far as hearing things, like I told you, it's uh, over the years, I've heard all kinds of stuff. But now, I tell you what, now that I've heard that sound, I heard that roaring, uh, there's not much doubt in my mind uh, of what did that. It, it got to be, it, there's nothing else. I've heard a bear. By the way, I had a bear come up to me uh, to my stand one time and I, I wanted to get down and he didn't want to leave. <laughs> I wasn't getting down <laughs> in the dark with that little black bear, about a 300 and something pound black bear. Um, you know, I, you know, they say, Oh, it's just a black bear. Well, black bear kill more people than grizzly bears. And I didn't want him to have to mess with him. And so, uh, I shot over his head about, man, it's a $25,000 fine. If you kill one of them things down here. So I wanted to make sure I didn't shoot him. But I shot over his head about six foot over it, and that peed him off and surprised him, and he growled. And I want to tell you what, I didn't know them little black bear would growl like that. They got a real growl to them. And uh, so now that I heard that bear and I heard that other growl, there ain't no comparison, mm. you know? Yeah. So I, that, that sound was not made by a black bear, I promise you. And so that's kind of validated you know? Yeah, absolutely. Now, you're talking about in your mind and that. Let me ask you this. Why is, why is it some people, they might have one encounter and they're not sure about it, what happened or something, or they saw something, and then never again. The rest of their life, nothing. Then there's other people who claim they see these things repeatedly. Why? Why does one, what, 
why does this one person, other than them living, like you're talking about the spot 20 miles from your house, uh, other than because the, these people, like I read about people from Connecticut hunting in Missouri, in Missouri, in uh, Montana, who run up on them. You know, it's not that they live in that area, but they'll see them or, you know, have some experience with them. What do you think it is about a person that maybe attracts them or, or what? It just seems funny that some people have numerous, ex- you know, experiences with them and others not. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny you bring that up. I was just speaking to a lady last night for a future episode um, about that very subject. And what we kind of surmised is that we, well, I, I believe that, you know, these creatures have the ability to to sense people's intentions. Um, you know, that they're very, like much like, a, like a, a dog can do. You know, a dog can tell if you have bad intentions or if you're a good, if, if you're not going to, come with any harm so I, I really believe that they have that that ability and and uh, for some reason they, they've kind of they, they can read your intention so to speak and know that you're not there to to cause any harm but you know they they know that you're probably you're open-minded enough to be around them so that that's kind of what i don't know if that answers your question or not but that's kind of what i believe well it, yeah that's possible i mean anything is possible these things, um, the issue has never been absolutely cleared up, you know. So, yeah, and then like I mentioned everything. earlier, like like you have kind of you you've been open minded to to the existence of, of these Sasquatch creatures because you've seen one, and so you know your mind is a little more open to to accepting, you know, that strange noise is probably a Sasquatch. You know, oh those those tree knots are probably a Sasquatch. So you know, whereas people who haven't seen them. They, they they don't really care. They're not going to try to make sense of it. And, you know, as for people just, you know, having one encounter and, and nothing ever again, I mean, that could just be attributed to luck, maybe, perhaps, or, or you know, good or bad, sure. depending on how people see it. But, you know, it just could be a one-and-done type happenstance. Anybody's guess yeah. right at this point. But Well, I've heard people that uh, testify about seeing this thing and they say it's not an enjoyable uh event they don't want it to happen again you know yeah uh, the people that get a real up front and face-to-face uh encounter with one of these things they they ready for it to never happen again uh, it's pretty scary and intimidating i guess but uh yeah well i think i think a lot of the times when people have those encounters like I really don't think that they're in a lot of danger. I mean, you have to really do something bad to piss one of these things off to the point where they want to kill somebody. For the most part, when I started this podcast, I expected, you know, to hear scary stories and, you know, they tried to eat me and they tried to kidnap my children and stuff like that. But it's actually been quite the opposite. A lot of my guests have been, you know, they've had very peaceful encounters. You know, I just, they just happened to run into one and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I don't know the answers to that. I, well, nobody really does. But I think that they have the ability to to see people's intentions. I, I know that's kind of out there, and you know, but it's what what the direction I'm leaning towards anyway. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Uh, animals have a sixth sense, you know. They really, really do. 
I've been on a deer stand already and had a deer 200 yards away from me. And I'm all camouflaged up. There ain't no way he can see me. None. And I'll be sitting there not moving, staring at him, and he'll turn and look right at me. You know, Mm -hmm. look right up in my scope. And I'm like, (laughs) how does he know? You know? Yeah. And I also think that, you know, they're also well adjusted to their, to their environment as well. You know, much like deer and everything else out in the woods, you know, I think they have a heightened sense of smell, sight, you know, awareness, just things that people yeah. don't have anymore. We've lost it over the course of, you know, a hundred thousand years, you know, since we became sure. quote unquote civilized, sure. but yeah. So, and you know, they're, they're, they have different abilities than us. I am positive about that. They, they just don't, we, we just don't know enough about them to, to, to know exactly for sure what those abilities are but from the sounds of it they were watching you and they know that you can be trusted so i would consider myself quite lucky if i were you well i hadn't been attacked by one (laughs) i guess i'm lucky (laughs) i think everybody's lucky who hasn't been attacked by one yeah now i got a question for you the ultimate question you always hear why nobody you know that came well, up that came up in our topic of conversation I had with uh, this lady last night as well and to to go down this rabbit hole very briefly uh, I believe they they bury their dead I, I believe they have you know rituals much like we do when it comes to you know someone passing on and they bury them and that's kind of what I believe and that's one of the reasons I I believe we haven't found a body but to counter that. I did do an episode a few weeks ago, and I can't remember which one it was exactly. I'll have to scroll back, and I'll I'll let you know. Um, But I did do an interview with a gentleman who, as a child, well, him and his friend were playing in the woods in in the forest of Washington. Uh, They came across a dead one that had uh, accidentally slipped into a canyon and obviously, you know, sustained enough injuries to die. And, you know, immediately they, they knew what it was, and they had to get out of there. But, you know, um, as far as no body, it's very different. And even if they're, they don't bury their dead, you know, nature tends to take care of itself, if you know what I mean. I, I mean, it's not oh, too no, often. Yeah, no. yeah, it's not too often you find full skeletons of anything, really. And No. Yeah. So it, I've it, seen an entire deer disappear in three days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vultures, wolves, everything. So, you know, nature has this way of recycling itself. So maybe that's another another reason. I, I honestly, I could not tell you. What, what do you think? I, I don't know what to think. I'll tell you the truth. Um, it's a real mystery for my brain because my brain's telling me they're real, you know. And But being a realist, if they're real, there should be a body somewhere. And that's what you would think. But there again, the mystery of these animals hasn't been solved yet. And the reason there's no body might be something we're not even contemplating. I, don't, I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, we're, It's we're... frustrating. It's yeah. frustrating because, I, you know, because you face ridicule, if you admit to one of these experiences, and the fact they always throw at you, where's the body? Nobody has ever really had one. <laughs> then you have these fools out there that, uh, you know, promote these hoax. Oh, I got the body in my freezer, you know, uh, that kind of crap. And that doesn't, that doesn't help the, 
the honest people at all. Yeah, no, I, I know which video you're you're referring to, and I, I've watched it, and I'm just not really, I'm I'm not buying it, but that's just me. <laughs> but you know, I, I get asked that question. That's like the number one question I get asked all the time, even from my own family members, because I'm I'm kind of known as the the Bigfoot guy, so to speak, because I have this very mm-hmm. uh, obsession with them. And uh, I just don't have answers. I, I just don't know. And part of the reason I started the podcast is because I'm trying to learn these answers. I, I really want to know more about these creatures. And, and that's part, one of the questions I have myself is wh- what do they do with their dead? Because, you know, if they're anything like, yeah. like us, then, you know, they, they, they have a, a lifespan and, you know, and they probably have, you know, a family unit that probably cares about them. So they're, they're, I, I really believe they have, Ritual similar to what we do when we bury our dead. Yeah. You know, and uh, one thing I don't buy, you hear these stories, well, they're from another dimension, or they, they just disappear, or they, all of this kind of really off the wall stuff. If they're an uh, animal, if they're, they are walking this earth, I know of no proof that animals from another dimension are walking this earth. They would be the only one I know of, and I don't know if it's ever been proved, but you have people promoting that kind of thing, you know, oh, yeah. that uh, the reason they never found is because they're not here, they're somewhere else. And I don't know, that kind of uh, irks me a little bit. I, I don't know. Yeah, me neither. There's so many questions when it comes to Sasquatch and Bigfoot. Is there a specific name that people call them down in Louisiana? uh bigfoot they refer to it as bigfoot i guess yeah well, and, uh, yeah you know because like what i oh sorry no go ahead oh i was just gonna say because like in in florida you know they're referred to as skunk apes and in in british columbia yeah. they're called many names uh, there's a lot of names for 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 sasquatch in british columbia um, but you know every kind of region it seems to be different and i always found that you know it, the hotter the environment so like further south you go you know the more kind of um aggressive they can be you know i don't know if that's due with the heat or anything like that have you ever heard any stories like that when you know in, in your travels or, or just listening to other people talk about them no that's something you don't talk about i've never brought the subject up to entice somebody to tell their story you know what i mean yeah uh you just kind of keep that to yourself and i guess other people do also that's like uh you know, there's another thing that uh, happens that uh, around here that really, really jerked my chain is that uh, those black cats. Boy, you hear black panthers. Mm. And I've seen them. Not once, not twice. Three times and maybe four. Not sure about the fourth one. But I've seen them. And I know they real. And there was a guy who uh, worked for the Wildlife and Fisheries. He's in charge of the mammal division for all of Louisiana. This guy, he's one of the, these guys got a lot of in-school education, about 25 years old, and they put him out in the woods, and he's supposed to be the expert on these animals, and he don't know as much as he thinks he knows. Hmm. Because if you take some of these old timers that have been in the woods for 50 years, they've seen things he can't imagine, you know? And uh, when people 
um, see one of these black panthers, they report it, uh, or even mountain lions, the catam- they call them catamounts down here. Uh, people see them and they'll deny it. Oh, that does not exist. You know, oh, that does not exist. Uh, what are they seeing? Well, it's in a bobcat, it's in a, a melanistic uh, phase. Uh, like, yeah, right, okay. I've seen bobcats all my life. I ain't never seen a black one. But uh, the authorities are fighting the notion that those things are real, which, uh, you know, that doesn't help. Yeah. Because they, they're doing is they're telling these people you're a liar. And uh, are you stupid? <laughs> because I don't have a doctorate in animal husbandry or, uh, you know, wildlife management doesn't make me stupid. Yeah. But uh, we had, uh, I found some tracks uh, with my wife one day. We were going toward her stand. I had fixed her up a place to hunt. And uh, this animal walked right down the middle of a trail. And I'm telling you, the track was as big as the inside of your hand. In other words, if you look at your hand, cut the fingers off. You know, take the fingers away. That pad that your hand is, you know, what's left, the palm of your hand, how big that is, five inches long, six inches long, that's the size of the tracks. And it was a cat. I know cat tracks. And so I took pictures of it. And I sent them in to this uh, wildlife biologist. And he came back and he said, it's a bobcat. (laughs) Now, I've seen bobcats. I've seen big bobcats. And they don't make a big track. I'm sorry, not that big. Yeah. You know? And then as fate would have it, I'm here again. I had trail camera on and I caught one. He was sneaking up on some coons, some raccoons that were feeding in my corn. And he spooked those coons. And I want to tell you something. They left. You hear me? <laughs> they, <laughs> so would I. <laughs> oh, Lord. They were gone. They were on my camera. They were streaks. They were <laughs> moving so fast. And I got a picture of him laying out there in some ferns with his head out, looking directly at the camera. So I came home and I trying to download the thing on a computer. And do you know, I lost that picture. Oh, no. Oh man. I said, now, you know, now I tell that story and they're going to go, Oh, well, yeah, there's another story, you know? Yeah. He saw it, but no, you don't have the proof. So I just don't worry about it anymore. Yeah. But my wife and I saw it. Saw him walk across the road in front of us a while back. Uh, and he, he walked across the road we own and down a road that perpendiculars to the road we own. And when we passed the end of that road, I glanced, he was laying down on the side of the road, right down there, about 50, 60 yards. And, uh, so I stopped, I backed up. And when I backed up, he was gone, but, uh, they were real. Yeah, of course. But I mean, that, that's kind of proof enough that as it, you know, well, not proof enough, but that's kind of more evidence to prove, you know, there, there's things out in the forest that, you know, forestry agents and conservation officers will all say, you know, those aren't out there. 
But, you know, you get the eyewitnesses that say, you know, no, you know what? They are out there. So, you know, the same thing applies to Sasquatch because I, I've, I've asked conservation officers before, you know, what, what do you think? And, you know, of course they roll their eyes and, and they kind of give you a little giggle and, you know, that type of thing. So, you know, it, it's it's very a touchy thing for, for people to deal with because nobody really wants to believe that, you know, something is out there that is not supposed to be. And, and that's everybody's entitled to their opinion, I suppose. But, you know, people that have seen these creatures had, have had experiences with them. They, they know. So I, I can sleep mm-hmm. easy at night knowing what I saw was real and what you saw was real. And, you know, that that's good enough for me. And, you know, if we can slowly get more people believing, then I think we're doing a good job. Yeah. What, uh, what was your first experience with one? Oh boy. Uh, well, the first one I had was not a real, I didn't actually see it, but that was by choice. Um, to give you the quick rundown of it, me and my buddy were, went to this one area where we were, they're known to be. Um, and we went, we were on this mountain and we stayed a little bit too long. Uh, it was dark. It was nighttime by the time we got off of there. But so we went to an area we weren't supposed to and low the locals knew that 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 mountain mountain is theirs at night and you're not supposed to go up there which we did and it chased us off it just said it really didn't want us there so it chased us off we just much like when you had your encounter with the tree knocks it just does like oh man i wish that didn't happen because that was very very scary um obviously we were fine but uh that was the first experience our actual sighting happened a couple of years back uh, it was just peeking from behind a tree. It, it, it was wondering what we were doing, and it poked its head out. And it was doing a terrible job of hiding because you could see the rest of its body, you know, behind. Because the tree was only like two foot in diameter, and this thing was huge. Yeah. Like, this thing was a monster, and it was just poking out its head from behind a tree. It watched us for, I don't know, fifteen twenty seconds, I guess, and then it would just gone. It disappeared. Very very quietly mm-hmm. too. It was very very quiet. Yeah, they, um, you know, they, they uh, are acclimated and develop the, the skills to be in those woods like that and to, to survive. Yeah. So they're, they're much better at living in the woods than we would ever be. <laughs> well, Ron, I want to say thank you so much for coming on. I know we had a couple of communication errors there, but I'm super, super glad you came on. This was a lot of fun. I had a great time talking to you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for inviting me, and uh, I really enjoyed the visit. I did, too. I did, too. You're a gentleman. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Mike. And for the listeners, if you guys just want to hang around, we're going to close out the show. Stay there. And we're back, everyone. We are back to pull a pin on this one, but before we do that, let's give a huge thank you to Ron. Um, you know, I've always heard of a, about Southern hospitality, you know, the Southern gentleman, and I never really experienced it until I spoke to you, Ron. You know, what a class act. Thank you so much, Ron. I, I sincerely appreciate you coming on the show and talking about your encounters, which, by the way, I have no doubt in my mind that what you experienced those days were, were indeed Sasquatch. I, I really do believe that what you saw and heard that day was a Sasquatch. And I, I, I learned something new, so I got to say thank you. Rougarou, 
I actually looked it up and in, you know, by today's standards, they don't really mean have much to do with, with Bigfoot or Sasquatch, but I did look it up and you know what? You've turned me on to a new cryptid. So thank you, Ron. I sincerely appreciate it. <laughs> now I've got, I've got more research to do and, and a new, and a new cryptid to look up. So thank you, Ron. I appreciate that. Um, let's see. Yo, you know what? We have a special Saturday episode coming up for you guys. Um, that's like going to be what? Three in a row. Yeah. It is. I'm looking at my records. Yes, three in a row. Uh, but tune in. It's not going to be your typical, you know, interview, Sasquatch sighting, that type of thing. It's actually, I did this one more for me because I have a fascination and a thirst of, for knowledge when it comes to other First Nations cultures around around this continent about how they view, you know, the forest people and and what they think about you know, what one coast, you know, you go to the East coast and it's one thing you go to the West coast and something could be something totally different. So I invited Robin on from California and she's going to be talking about the traditional, you know, Sasquatch and, and you know, what their belief system is and, and you know, w- w- what she knows really. So what she knows. So it's kind of a special episode. It's not your typical encounter type interview. So tune in this Saturday, check it out. I, I, it was really cool for me. So I think you guys will like it too. So check it out Saturday. You know what? As a matter of fact, I do have a clip. On the next episode of the Nicola Valley Bigfoot podcast. And they, they know they're, that they're hunted. They know that, you know, people are, you know, after them. They know somebody's curious or hostile. And they handle that uh, individual accordingly. So check that out this coming Saturday. I guess Saturday th- shows are becoming a thing, right? <laughs> well, they're not going to last forever. I, I've got a few. I got a few things in the in in my back pocket that I'm going to pull out for for you guys every every now and again. Uh, but unless now that kind of leads me to this, if you have had an encounter and you want to be on the show, I could be contacted at NicolaValleyBigfoot at gmail.com. That's N I C O L A NicolaValleyBigfoot at gmail.com. And uh, without Let's make Saturday shows a thing. And uh, so I'll need you guys to help me out with that. So write in. And uh, what else? Let's, uh, you know what? Let's just get out of here. We've been going long enough. So I will see you guys on Saturday. All right. Tune in. Until then, I'll talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>